Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So throughout chapters 13 to 17 of John's New Testament Gospel, he describes the events that have come to be known as the Last Supper. So Jesus is just hours away from being arrested, and his arrest will set off a whole chain of events. He'll be tried, he'll be beaten, he'll be mocked, he'll be whipped, he'll be spit on and then nailed to a Roman cross where he suffers and dies. So as Jesus spends this time with his disciples, he's preparing them for what is to come. He knows that they're gonna be walking through a time of anxiety of chaos, of confusion, and of suffering. I bring that up because I'm not suggesting that I'm going to compare your life and your story to what was happening with the disciples 2,000 years ago, and yet I would suggest to you that in your life there is anxiety. There is confusion, there is chaos, and there is suffering. So the words of Jesus, therefore apply every bit as much to you and to me as they did to the disciples 2,000 years ago. So we pick up the story today in John 14, verse 12. Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. John chapter 14, verse 12 is one of the most perplexing verses in the entire Bible. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the things that I'm doing. In fact, they will do greater things. It seems a little bit hard to believe. Like, Jesus turned the water into wine. Have you done that lately? Me neither. Jesus walked on water. He made blind people see. He made crippled people walk. He fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. He raised this guy named Lazarus 
from death to life. And yet Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do greater things. You can see why philosophers and scholars and theologians have actually discussed and debated this particular passage for centuries. Whoever believes in me will do greater things. What I want to do in the time that I have remaining today is I want to give you an answer, an explanation for that statement. First, I'm going to give you an annoyingly simplistic but true explanation And then I'm going to give what I hope is an inspiring, complex answer, which I also know is true. So first, the annoying and simplistic. I'm going to take you back to middle school math, just where you wanted to go today. Remember these symbols? What do they mean? Greater than and less than, right? So Bob has seven apples and Fred has five. Who has more apples? Well, Bob does because seven is greater than, I'm trying to do it so that is that, is that a five? Yeah. yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good in that way. Greater than. So in other words, when Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do greater things, the statement he's making is not primarily a qualitative statement, of course. It's a quantitative statement. That's my annoyingly simplistic answer, and it's true. But now let's get complex. In order to do so, I need to remind you again that in John chapter 14, we see a powerful expression of the Trinity. That the God of the Bible is one God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All living in perfect, harmonious relationship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about how God the Son, how Jesus was expressing, describing, pointing people towards God the Father. And in this passage that we just read today, God the Son, Jesus, now is discussing, describing, and pointing people towards God the Holy Spirit. It's really important for you and I to remember this. It's one God, three persons. And what I want you to do, every time you hear the Trinity mentioned, you're like, like, when I come to church, Mike? Yeah, it's not a daily thing. But anytime you think of it, think about this. When you think about God the Father, remember this. God is for me. We said this last week. God is a provider, always has been, always will be. God is a redeemer, always has been, always will be. God is a restorer, always has been, always will be. God is a bringer of hope, always has been, always will be. When you think about God the Father, remember this. God is for you. No matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you or what you've said or what's been said to you, please know this. Even if you're at the point today where you think God has washed his hands of me, he hasn't. He won't. He will always provide a way. He is a provider, always has been, always will be. When you think of God the Father, remember this. God is for you. When you think of God the Son, remember this. God is with you. God is with you. God didn't stand back in his perfection and look at you and look at me and say, you need to try a little harder, you know? Come on, man. Earn it. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Try harder. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Earn salvation. Didn't do that. Instead, God sent his son Jesus into human history, that Jesus showed up where we are to bring us to where he is, 
to real and eternal life. So when you think about God the Father, remember this. God is for me. Always has been, always will be. When you think of God the Son, remember, God is with me. Always has been, always will be. When you think of God the Holy Spirit, remember this. God is in me. The Holy Spirit's at work inside of you. Jesus said it this way in that passage. He said, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you peace. But not the way the world gives peace. There's other parts of the Bible where it says it's, it's this peace that passes understanding. So in other words, if your life, and for many of us watching online and in person right now, your circumstances in your life are incredibly anxious. What the Holy Spirit does, it gets to work inside of you so that even in the midst of anxiety, you can find peace. That even in the midst of chaos, you can find courage because the Holy Spirit's at work inside of you. That even in the midst of confusion, you find clarity. Even in the midst of suffering, suffering, you can find comfort and you can find help. And we can celebrate that if you want. So what I really want to talk about today is I want to talk about three steps to invite the Holy Spirit to get to work in our lives, to give us peace even in the midst of anxious circumstances, strength even in the midst of weakness, hope even in the midst of despair. Here's step one, step four to invite the, step one to invite the Holy Spirit to get to work in our lives. You got to believe you got to believe, Jesus said it this way, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will do greater things. Whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me. It all starts here. This isn't a thing thing. This is the thing. Talk about this in a couple minutes, but sometimes in churches, longtime Christians make a lot of things things, and they pretend like they're the thing, but this is the thing. Believe in Jesus. It's amazing because if you read through the four Gospels, you'll see there was only two times when Jesus was amazed. One time there's this story about a centurion. A centurion would have been a, a powerful, influential leader of Roman soldiers. And he's got a servant who is sick, so sick that he's about to die. He sends word to Jesus, would you please heal my servant? The Jews that are gathered around Jesus that day are, what, are, are like, man, that centurion, he is powerful and he is Roman, but he's a great guy. He's so kind. And Jesus on his way to heal him, the centurion hears that Jesus is on his way and he sends messengers with this message to Jesus. I know you're a man of power and authority. I'm not even worthy of having you in my house just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And it says that Jesus was amazed at his faith, amazed at his faith, and instantly the servant was healed. There's another story where Jesus returns to his hometown, to this town called Nazareth. And when he gets there, the people are stoked that he's there, so excited, so, so willing to listen. But over time, the grumbling starts until everyone in the city is looking at him and going, we don't have to listen to you. We don't have to believe in you. We don't have to give you the time of day. You're just Joseph the carpenter's son. And it says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith, faith, faith. 
We're in this journey through the gospel of John. It's amazing when you get to the end of the journey, which we will in like a few months still, okay? It's, I'm having so much fun. I just want to keep dragging it on. I'm loving it so much, okay? But when you get to the very end of the journey, this is what John says. He says, you know what? Jesus did so many things. There's not enough books in the world to contain them all. But I wrote these down. Why did you write them down, John? I wrote these down. Why did you write them down? Why did you choose those? John says, I wrote these down so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you might have life in him. This is the thing. This isn't a thing. See, too often, I want to be honest, in churches, we've made lots of things and tried to pretend like they're the thing when they're just a thing. They're just a thing thing, not the thing. Does that make sense? And I want to apologize, man, if you're here for the first time or for the first time in a really, really long time, I want to apologize if you've met Christians or you've been in churches where we walk around and we say that thing things are the thing. So let me be really clear so you know exactly where I'm going with this. It's not about an old earth or a young earth. It's not about whether you're a liberal or a conservative. It's not about what your rules and regulations say compared to somebody else. It's not about what or who you voted for. Those are thing things. They're not the thing. The thing is this. When you believe in Jesus... When you place your faith in Jesus, this is it. You go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive in that moment. And the Holy Spirit gets to work inside of you. The thing, the thing, nothing to be added. The thing. I wrote all this stuff down, John says. I wrote what, 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 I, what I felt I was supposed to write down. I wrote it down so that, so that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah the Son of God, and by believing, life, real and eternal life. Step one, you gotta believe. Step two, you gotta trust. You gotta trust. Jesus says it this way, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Trust, trust is active, right? Some people say, well, isn't belief and trust the same thing? Trust takes belief just one extra step. So not only do I believe in you, but now I'm willing to trust you so much that I act like I trust you. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Imagine that I get up here today and I say, hey, I got this new wellness plan. Invented it myself over the last few hours, okay? It's called WWMD, okay? W it's a wellness plan. It'll change your life completely. I tested it extensively on my dog, Rue, and myself, and it's working really, really well. WWMD, it's physically going to make you way stronger. Your vertical is going to get way, way higher. Your time in the 40 is going to go down. You're not going to get sick. You're going to be well-rested, energetic all the time. Mentally, whew, your mental acuity is going to go through. I don't even know what acuity means, but can you imagine how cool it must be to have a lot of mental acuity? Your IQ is going to go up by about somewhere between 24 and 27 points. Memory, you're never going to forget anything. And listen to this, and listen to this. If you follow the WWMD plan, this might actually seem very hard for you because, I don't know, it almost doesn't seem possible, but you're going to get even a little bit more better looking. <laughs> Sign me up. Okay, that's my whole point. That's my whole point. For $14.99, send a... 
Mike.com. No, WWMD. You're like, what does that stand for, Mike? Does it stand for what would Mike do? No, you might think that, but it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't. It stands for what you're going to eat on this plan, what you're going to ingest on this plan. Okay, WWMD. WWMD. You ready? Waffles. Wonder Bar. Mountain Dew. WWMD. There it is, right? It's amazing. Okay, and, and, and so, as I say that, wouldn't, by the way, wouldn't that be great? Like, I'd love to live on waffles, Wonder Bars, and Mountain Dew. I would love that. The only problem is you don't have to be a PhD in nutritional science to know probably not going to work. Imagine the level of trust you would have to have in me to step into that plan. But I'm telling you, in its own way, the plan of Jesus is almost equally as difficult to believe. Jesus says, you know what I want for you? I want you to become the youest version of you. I want you to live the blessed life. Man, I want you to be truly, truly happy, like at the core of who you are. I want you to live what's called the abundant life, okay? So Jesus says, here's how you start. Here's where you start. A new command I give you, Jesus said in John 13, a new command I give you, just love one another as I have loved you. Do we have any idea what that means? You talk about the golden rule. Do to somebody else what they would do to you. This is exponentially raising the bar. Love others the way that I have loved you, Jesus says. Well, how do we do that? Okay, well, here, here's one way to start. Forgive those who have hurt you. Oh, be generous with those who need help. Like, understand that you get more blessing in life, way more out of giving than you do by getting. So be generous. Oh, and also, um, before you judge anybody else, before you critique anybody else, before you criticize anyone else, before you go online and put anybody on blast, just do one thing first. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I perfect? Hey, and the day that the answer is yes, you should be committed. But the day that the answer is yes, then you can go ahead and criticize. Until the answer is yes... Shut it. Jesus says, and only by trusting me, only by trusting me, only by living this love one another as I have loved you life, will you understand just how trustworthy I am. It's only by trusting him that we find out how trustworthy he is. See, you, you gotta believe. That's where it all starts, real and eternal life. In that moment, you go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive when you put your faith in Jesus. You gotta trust you got to trust. You want the Holy Spirit to get to work in your life? you got to trust. You know why? Because, because let's imagine, you can't make a side deal with the Holy Spirit. Remember I said that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in harmonious relationships. So you can't say to the Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit, don't tell Jesus, but we're going to do this bitter thing. Can you empower me while I just stay bitter and don't forgive anybody? It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, if you ask anything according to my name, his name is love. His plan for you is blessing. So number one, you gotta believe. Number two, you gotta trust. Number three, you gotta ask. Jesus said, I will ask my father and he will send you another counselor to help you and to be with you forever. It's interesting because the word there, actually, that Jesus uses is advocate. Advocate. 
So there's all these different translations of the Bible, same Bible, but they use different language. And the one word that created a lot of trouble in John 14, verse 16, is the word that is translated in the NIV as advocate and in other translations as counselor. The word comes from the Greek word paraclete. It's kind of important because it's one of those words that you can't just kind of like translate with one word. What does paraclete mean? It means advocate. It means intercessor. It means counselor. It means strengthener. It means helper. It means comforter. All of them. To contain the, the meaning in that one word, we need all of them. And so what I want to suggest to you today is that when we believe in Jesus... And when we trust him, the next step is to ask. See, maybe for some of us today, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to be our advocate. Jesus talked about our spiritual enemy here as the prince of this world, the prince of this world. Your spiritually, spiritual enemy, the devil, wants to use you to destroy other people and when he's done with you, he wants to destroy you. That's his plan. And one of the primary ways that he wants to do it is through accusation. The Bible says that he accuses you day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. He accuses you. Some of you are feeling that right now. You feel condemned. You feel beat down. You feel shameful. You feel worthless. What I want to suggest to you today is that maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your advocate, to argue on your behalf. That when the accuser shows up in your life, that the Holy Spirit would stand up and say, peace, be still. And when the accuser says, yeah, but wait a minute, she's guilty, she's gotta pay, the Holy Spirit will, will say, oh, she may be guilty, but Jesus already paid. She is fully, completely, eternally forgiven. Maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your advocate. Or maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your intercessor. I saw this quote the other day. This guy said this, in the battle between you and the world, in the battle between you and the world, bet on the world, okay? I found that kind of funny. In the, but, but, but sometimes it feels that way. That this world has left you beat up and beat down, overwhelmed and overmatched, and it feels like sometimes this world can knock you flat on your back and you can't get up. See, maybe for you today, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your intercessor, to hold the world off a little bit so you can climb back on your feet to tell you you're down, but you're not out. Maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your counselor. Are you confused? Are you lost? You got a lot of decisions that you need to make right now, but you're not sure which way to go. Maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your counselor. If you've been at Southside for a long time, maybe you've heard us use this phrase before, one next step at a time, one next step at a time, one next step at a time. That's Holy Spirit language. That's Holy Spirit language. That's counselor, counselor language. That's how the Holy Spirit wants to lead you, one next step at a time. Sometimes we couldn't even handle if we knew what the destination was. So the Holy Spirit says, how about this? I'm just going to give you one next step, and then you need to take it. But maybe you're a little bit like me, and some days you need the Holy Spirit to be your strengthener because even that one next step feels like it's too much, and he needs to give you the strength to take it. Maybe you need to ask today for the Holy Spirit to be your comfort or to be your help. 
paraclete. That's a Greek word. It's a pretty cool word, by the way. Let me explain it to you because it's a nautical term. I want you to imagine there's a little boat. A little boat out in open water. And this little boat is getting tossed by the wind and the waves. And this little boat is lost and hopeless. You know what a paraclete is? It's a big boat that comes alongside this little boat. And it takes that little boat from lost and helpless to home and hope and safety. See, maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be your comfort today, to be your hope today, to be your help today, to be your paraclete. I look at this picture sometimes. It's a picture taken on my first day of grade one. And it makes me laugh a little bit because I look so stoked, man, just to get grade one started. I'm waiting for the school bus. We lived out in the country near Red Deer, Alberta. And I'm just like, school is going to be so awesome. I can't wait. And then I remember little Mike Manis got on that school bus. And little five-year-old Mike, it didn't take much more than about five minutes to realize school was not going to be that good after all. Because all the old kids on the bus, they decided they did not like me. So every single day, they would call me names. They would spit on me. They would throw things at me. They would hit me. Then when I got to school, life wasn't much better. Despite my highest of hopes, I got there, and I was the ADHD kid. I tried so hard, but I couldn't sit still. I couldn't pay attention. I could not stop talking. And I could tell even at five years old, six years old, seven years old, that the teachers, they would rather that I was in somebody else's class. Thank you very much. And I remember during those years, I would daydream so many times. I'd be sitting on that school bus and I'd have this daydream over and over and over again. I would think that one day my big brother would show up. Now, I didn't have a big brother, but I dreamed that I did. And one day my big brother was going to show up and he was going to get onto that school bus and he was going to be like big and strong and tough and cool. And when he got on the school bus, all conversations was going to stop and all eyes were going to be on this big and strong and tough and cool kid that got on the bus and he was gonna walk down the aisle and he was gonna sit beside me. He was gonna put his arm around me and say, hey kid, hey, this is gonna be okay. The things that they say about you, they're not true. You're better than they treat you. You're smarter than the teachers think you are. And I grew up and I remember I was 17, 18, 19 years old and I began to play the role of big brother for myself. I was strong and I was tough and I thought I was super cool and I was mean. And I defended myself. I didn't always go looking for trouble necessarily. I just looked around for people who showed any hint or inclination towards looking for trouble themselves and I would show up and I would say, you better pack a lunch because this is more than you can handle. And if you would have met me back in those days when I was 17 or 18 or 19 years old, you would have definitely thought, man, that kid thinks he's cool. He's pretty tough. He's pretty popular. He's pretty secure in who he is. But inside during those years, I had never felt more lost. I had never felt more lonely. I had never felt more afraid. I had never, ever, ever felt that insecure. And I remember in those years driving around the gravel roads in central Alberta. And I would start having that daydream again. That I was driving all by myself, but a big brother would come and sit beside me and say, hey kid, 
it's going to be okay. It's hard to believe right now, but things are actually going to get better. You're not that five-year-old little boy anymore. Well, fast forward a few years, and I remember many years. I remember the time when my wife Corinne and I transitioned into the role of lead pastors at Southside Church. And I think I've told you this before, like, there was about 400 people who called Southside Church home when we became lead pastors. And at the end of a year, there was 400 people who called Southside Church home. But the fascinating thing about it, it was like almost a completely different 400. So 400 people had left and, and about 400 people had come in. But here's the thing that was tough about that year and it was more than a year. So many people who were leaving, as they left, were just like, hey Mike, just one more thing. Just one, one quick thing before I leave. You suck and here's why. And on the outside during those years, I was 18-year-old Mike Manis. <laughs> okay, cool. Doesn't affect me at all. But on the inside, I felt like that five-year-old little boy again. Just so helpless. And so powerless. I remember lots of nights when I would drive home from the office. I would pull over to the side of the road and I would just sit there to try to pull myself together before I got home to be a husband to Corinne and a dad to the kids. And I would just sit there and I was like, God, are you kidding me? Like I thought this is what you wanted us to do. This is terrible. And what I longed for at that time, now I wouldn't have said it in these words, but I know now what I longed for. I longed for a big brother that could have sat in that car with me and said, hey kid, it's gonna be okay. You're not that five-year-old little boy anymore. God did actually call you to this. And I know it's hard to believe right now, but things are gonna get better. In fact, the best is yet to come. Now listen, I don't tell you any of those stories so that you'll feel sorry for me. I tell you those stories so you can relate. Because here's what I know about you, you can. So many of you here today, watching online today, man, what you've walked through is exponentially more than I've ever walked through. I just wanted to pass something on to you because this week as I was studying, as I was praying, as I was, as I was thinking about this moment, it hit me, you know what? All those moments, all those times, they meant, I, I wish someone was here. I wish I had a big brother that could be here and help me. And it hit me, it hit me, he was. Every single step of the way he was there and that's why I'm still here. And I wanna tell you something. As you look back at your life, at the highs and the lows, I want you to know he loves you so much. He's for you, he's with you. He's at work inside of you. He's never left, he never will. God for us, God with us, God at work inside of us. When the circumstances are anxiety, I find peace on the inside. When the circumstances are dark, I find light on the inside. When the circumstances are chaos, I find courage on the inside. When the circumstances are confusion, I find clarity. When the circumstances are, and they will be at times, suffering, 
I find paraclete. I find help and I find comfort. I want to close today with an extended time of reflection. So if you're comfortable doing so, I would love it if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads just for a few minutes here today as we close. So how do I find that peace in the midst of anxiety? How, how do I find that strength in the midst of weakness? Well, number one, you gotta believe, you gotta believe, you gotta believe. It's not a thing, it's the thing, it's the thing, it's the thing. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history, fully God and fully man. He predicted his death and resurrection and then he pulled it off. Everything comes down to this. In fact, I would suggest that God has brought you into this moment for many of you watching online, for many of you here in person. God's brought you into this moment for this commitment to say, yes, I do believe. Real and eternal life comes through the thing, placing your faith in Jesus Christ. So, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, let's start here. If today is the day that you wanna place your faith in Jesus, do you wanna raise your hand nice and high so I can pray for you, please? Amazing. If you're watching online and it's safe to do so, I would love it if you could raise your hand if today is your day also. Something powerful about an outward expression of an inward commitment. Okay, you can put your hands down. I'm gonna pray out loud and I invite for, for those of you who just raised your hand to pray quietly with me and when I'm done, we're gonna continue our moment of reflection because I'm not done yet. So Jesus, thank you that you are for me, that you are with me and that you're at work inside of me. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. I pray that you would forgive my sins and heal my hurts starting right now. And Jesus, thank you that you rose again for me. I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time, today, tomorrow, and forever. I thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to just stay in this moment of reflection, please. Eyes closed and heads bowed. Step one, you gotta believe. Step two, you gotta trust. You gotta trust, you gotta trust. Jesus says, man, I want you to be the youest version of you. I want you to live a blessed life. I want you to live a truly happy life at the core of who you are. And it happens when we trust him fully and completely. And I guess I just wanna ask you, in this moment between you and God, is there some area of your life right now that you're not trusting him? You know that you should. And I just wanna give you that opportunity to just have that conversation with God right now, silently. Just God, I'm finally ready. I'm finally ready to trust you in whatever area this is because I don't believe you're holding out on me. You're a provider. So maybe for you it's forgiving someone who's hurt you. Maybe for you it's asking for forgiveness. Maybe it's, for you it's living a generous life. Maybe for you it's speaking life about people. Speaking encouraging words to and about people. Whatever it is, have that conversation with God. And as we stay in this moment of reflection, step three, you gotta ask, you gotta ask. 
What do you need from the Holy Spirit today? You need to be your advocate, your intercessor, your counselor, your strength, your help, your comfort. As we continue to reflect, I felt like I wanted to give you a story. I want to take it from being my story, and I want to try to make it your story. In the midst of probably one of the hardest years of my life, as Corinne and I were making that transition into lead pastor, I remember one particular Sunday morning, I was, the band was playing and I was standing there singing and God gave me two visions back to back. The first one was this, I was just standing there singing just like I was, but I noticed there was like someone standing beside me and he was big, like big, big and tall and incredibly impressive. And I knew at once who it was, it's Jesus. He's never left me and he never will. And he put his arm around me as if to say, this kid's with me. And and, and I guess I want you to understand that's how he feels about you. He's with you. He's for you. As I continued to sing, God gave me a second vision and it was just me. I was up on the stage preaching. I told a joke. It was probably hilarious. Nobody laughed. And I looked out at the people who were gathered that day and I noticed, wait a minute, there is one person laughing. You know who it was? It was the dude who was standing beside me. It was Jesus. And I realized in that moment, he wasn't laughing because my joke was funny. He was laughing because of the innate micness of what I had just said. You know why? Because he delights in me. Can I tell you the honest truth? I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know the words that have been spoken over you and about you, but I know this for absolutely certain. He delights in you. He delights in you. He delights in you. He delights in you. He delights in the innateness, in the innate you-ness of you in this moment. So God, we come before you today and we thank you that you are for us. Always have been always will be, that you are with us, always have been, always will be, and you're at work inside of us, always will be. We thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, just one more thing before we close. I told you at the beginning, remember, I was going to explain John 14, verse 12, giving an annoying, simplistic one, okay, and and then a little bit more complicated, but inspiring one, I hope. So Jesus said, I want you to be the U.S. version of you, okay? I I want you to live the blessed life, the abundant life, the truly happy life at the core of who you are. And and, and so we understand God the Father says, God is with us. God is for us. God the Son says, God is with us. The Holy Spirit says, God's at work inside of us. But there's actually one missing. If you read through the New Testament really carefully, there's one part missing. Because over and over and over again in the New Testament, you want to live the blessed life? You want to be the U.S. version of you? Over and over and over again in the New Testament, you know what it says? You and me, together, this church, you know what we are? We're the body of Christ. So that's crazy, right? So think about this. God for us, God with us, God in us, and God through us, through us, through us. We become his mouth to speak love as we have been loved. 
his hands and his feet to help as we have been helped. That's the goal. That's the dream that the world will look on and say, look at, look at, I see a love there. I see, a, I don't understand everything, but I'll tell you what, I see a love there that is breathtaking. God for us, God with us, God in us, and God among us, God among us as he works through us. So that's why, that's why we do stuff like food for this city. We love this city. Even when our capacity to love runs a little bit low, we just remember how much we have been loved. So this is the last day, Jeff already said it. Let's go, let's go. God for us, God with us, God in us, and God through us. I love you guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.